0: Thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. The AD Network proudly presents the Sustainability Awards now in their 14th year. You can find more information at sustainablebuildingawards.com.au. Welcome to Talking Architecture and Design. My name is Brian and today we have with us Jamila Johangiri, a senior architect with Cox. Georgina Jahangiri is a registered architect and academic. She studied at the University of Sydney and has experience working across a diverse range of scales and topologies including cultural, educational, sports and commercial projects both here in Sydney and Tehran. She's an enthusiastic contributor to the architectural community and is a member of the AIA New South Wales Imagine Committee as well as the awards and honours committee rather and has contributed to the New South Wales architecture Bulletin through being an associate contributor. She's also passionate about a lot of things for what we'll hear about today including mentoring and teaching as she continues teaching at different Sydney universities. As mentioned, she works at Cox Architects, predominantly in public architecture. So, welcome to Talking Architecture and, Geno- and Design, Sorry, Jamila Jahangiri. Hi, Franco.
1: Um, thanks for having me.
0: That's quite all right. So, before we get into your hatred of arches, <laughs> your perceived hatred of arches, <laughs> um, so tell me, Jamila, you have a passion for creating public spaces and an interest in architecture that lies you know, sort of across social and, and I guess cultural dimensions in the built environment. Um, so, in that, like, with what with what you have an interest in, what would you like to create? What kind of public space would you like to create, and why?
1: Um, I think I think my interest in architecture is um, the public works. Um, pro- um, m- importantly, because with the public architecture, you're kind of bringing back to the community. There is a lot of interest and joy with um, communicating with the community, their needs, and then um, trying to bring the best that um, provides a a service to the public while helping the social aspect, um, different um, levels of work with um, the architecture and how we can make, create interesting places that, um, I guess, brings out um, the social aspects and make the society in a better level, I guess, than where where we were before.
0: Who do you think? Give me a country that you think does it well.
1: Um, I guess. I guess. Um, it's very hard to give like a country as the project space. Um, rather or, if or I great, great if example. I, yeah examples of um I think if I want to go back to the cultural um aspect of where I come from, um like the squares um in iran for example the design of the squares in the old days would bring it i guess going back again thinking about it now italy's squares and the urban context size design it really brings it so when you go to those um um, squares it's kind of the scale of the buildings the way that the building set in within the context of the space, it provides a kind of interaction between the people that use those spaces that it increases the level of interaction. You, as a citizen and as a, um, uh, I guess, citizen of the urban context, you can um, kind of get guided and, act in certain ways and in a way, it kind of encourages you to be to the cultural context that you are from. So say, for example, in a context of Iran, it's very narrow streets, and then you kind of have these bizarre kind of squares, and then in the intersections, you get to see others um, that live in that city and start chatting, and then it's a very um, interconnected spaces. And then in terms of Say, for example, squares in um, Rome, for example, this narrow street and then suddenly you come to this openness and you sit down and like you talk with the neighborhood and the place that you know. I'm talking about um, this in a more urban context, but obviously there are a lot of architectural examples that also provide this kind of, um, um, I guess, um, uh, respect and bring back to the culture. I need to think about the examples that I've been, but I guess again going back to where I come from, I guess like mosques are one of the points that provide these kind of spaces. Um, Churches, I guess, again, using um, the um, European context gives the same sort of um, feeling and um, inclusion, like even as an atheist, um, when you enter one of those spaces, you kind of feel the gods and like how small as a human you are and, like, you want to believe in something that maybe you don't. Um, And it's just these kind of things are um, uh, always um, interest me and makes me very interested in architecture and how we can create these spaces within the form.
0: Uh, Something tells me, um, Jamila, that that today that the squares of Rome are filled with people with very sore heads. Um, I was going to say you were recently interviewed with... um, or you were well, recently, you can't even remember where it was, but it, it, I think it, it may have been in, in, the, in the AIA magazine or it, or it could have been in the, in the Sydney Union magazine, but you said, um, communication is pivotal for us architects, regardless of the level of career we are in. Good communication leads to trust and trust to an opportunity. It's an interesting, interesting thing because, you know, as someone who... Communicates with architects a lot. I, I find that that is is both very true and also it, it's it's very rarely, well, not always applied. Do you think that architects, designers, are good communicators or not? And if so, why?
1: Um, I think good designers definitely are. Obviously, it's a very hard. Task to um, get the handle of. As a young architect, I think I'm still learning how to do it, especially as a migrant architect. It makes it much harder for me to actually communicate and see how different cultures and contexts really talk. Um, Language is a very important element um, in communication. Um, I recently actually started learning about the Varadji language because um it, there is a lot of conversation about connecting to the country and connecting to the um, um aboriginal context in australia but my first question as a migrant was we what is the culture does anyone know really the culture deep enough to actually understand how to apply those cultural elements into the architecture and um for me personally um i learned i'm not um from a western culture english is not my first language i started learning from english culture by learning the language before i actually come to australia so learning from the um Different, different lang- language um, um, word actually lets you lead to learn about different ways that people communicate. Um, like, say, in our language, similar to French, we have like "vous" and "to" as in like um, in for the word of "you," whereas yeah. like English don't have don't have two different "you"s because it's a very like everyone's in the same level. You don't have that. Um, level of, um, contextual importance of you know you're very close to someone or you're not and then you respect someone or you're not and everything is kind of the same level in that context whereas i guess in in some other cultures it's not the same and then when you learn the language you get to hear that okay they only have one use for whoever um so these kind of levels then you start thinking about the cultures and how people communicate and how people start the communication and things like that. And then maybe thinking about it in a bigger context goes back to the communication that, okay, in designing a space, um, especially if it's a public space, how people interact, how people come together, does design designing this space without considering the context of that makes people get separated like if you are designing for a context that privacy is very important or separation between men and women is important then you design everything together without considering that context then suddenly you are going to have spaces that are not feasible and um, pleasant for the users to be used and then will be emptied and then it's not as vibrant as you would think or have it in your renders.
0: <laughs> I'm Brenko Meledic and thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. You can catch up with news, projects, interviews and much more at architectureanddesign.com.au where you can also subscribe to our newsletters and magazine. And now back to our podcast. Okay, let's get serious, Jimella. You recently wrote an article that we printed um, about arches. Okay. Now, suffice to say, I I don't think arches were your favourite architectural feature, but regardless, (laughs) um, I was going to say, like, I'll read you out a a bit of what you wrote and and if you could just maybe um, expand on it. So you wrote, whilst arches may be considered aesthetically pleasing, the problem is that in recent years there are some cases that are simply an impl- where they are simply an applied decorative ornament. In cases that that are used as a feature only, these arches might be there to provide beauty to design without being considerate of the context, which is what you just spoke about. We live in or trying to be an appropriate representation of the user's needs. Now, is that what I just read? Is that what you were just saying earlier? Is that like that? We're only putting in arches because it's like, I don't know, maybe convenience, maybe aesthetically nice, but it doesn't actually take it. It's fashionable.
1: Oh, fashionable, yeah,
0: but it doesn't take it in consideration, you know, whether it's appropriate in any other way. Is that, is that what your main, dare I call it, beef with arches is?
1: <laughs> I should say I'm Iranian. I don't really dislike arches. Um, Iran Iranians, um, alongside with some other countries, are the architects are advanced arches um, in architectural history. Um, so as an Ar- Iranian, I don't really dislike it. But I'm just thinking that at the moment, similar to arches, are just a symbolic. Um, elements that are at the moment on fashion we have like golden materials at the moment or I don't know every now and then at least with my young age I can see that there is one material or one type of um things or like maybe actually arches are now going out of way and um David Chipperfield's um, uh, um column uh, repeated elements are coming actually on fashion now. I don't really know, but what but, but my article I was trying to say is that following the fashion, it's um, does uh, the architecture really a mis-service. We um, um, have like this really long history since uh, modernism that, Um, avoiding uh, ornamental elements and especially nowadays when we are talking about um, sustainability and um, how we want to have um, uh, net positive architectural buildings, having elements that are really not bringing strong um, elements to architecture and a a, a strong meaning just as a point of look to make the project look pretty it's not where we should be and um, unfortunately I'm not saying like obviously there are a lot of good projects that used arches and it's very appropriate but um, like I don't know it's just I guess the number of the projects that have arches nowadays you're just question is it's just an um, fashionable elements at the moment, and then in two years we're going to get rid of it and then welcome another fashionable element um, to our projects? Or,
0: and I think then... the answer is yes. Then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah was, possibly.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that um, you, it's interesting you mentioned your, your, your background, so your Persian-Iranian background. I was, I was going to say I was hoping this is not... A continuation of the Persian Greek Wars of of the, of uh, four hundred BC. But seriously, though, there is there is uh, a lot of truth in what you're saying. That like, it, not just with arches, it's, it's it's with everything. You know, with I mean, in residential now, everything's fresco dining has been for years. I mean, okay, fine. I, I guess we kind of have, maybe not today, but we kind of had to have the have the, uh, the climate for it, but. Yeah, it, it, I think it's a case of people like to follow, copy, and I guess, and then someone does something different, and then they copy that person and goes that way. But I was going to say that you also wrote in your article um, this sense of place connected cult, connected cultures to the environment in which they live, the people they collaborate with, and informs the way they react and relate to each other in terms of what you're saying about arches. What is then, can I get a framework of what is a sense of place for you?
1: Um, it's it's one of those hard things to talk in architecture, um, really. And I guess mastering it, it will be the ultimate goal that... Any good architecture will have a place that when you are in it, you feel that you are a part of that community in terms of public architecture. And then I guess in terms of houses, a place that when you are in, you call it home. So um, it's it's it really doesn't have a recipe um, of um I guess, function whatsoever. It doesn't have a recipe of any kind of or type of forms, obviously. But things that people, I guess, um, in some articles, there are, um, I, that talks about that when you remind people of the points and um, elements that they're, um, I guess, nostalgia, uh, and that's what I'm trying to um, bring up, is um, usually the item that makes people feel that they belong to that space. But then there are other items, The, the function of the space, like the example that I gave before, like the... Space that um, in um, like one of the projects that is very interesting and done it well is the project that Big um, did in them, Denmark, the landscape um, space that they designed. I can't remember the name of the projects, um, the projects, but I guess I can search it. Um, and um, this this project actually um, uh, designed in an urban context in Copenhagen where the, um, there is a lot of different community of the migrants that live in that space and the landscape designed for Turkish migrants for um, Um, African migrants and different cultures and what it does is that it brings different modes that those people uh, used to live say for example bringing the chest where the community would gather and leave um, and then like communicate together and become friends in their culture like bringing the game uh, the children game to make sure that the female of those families would come out because the only way that they would come out would be considering that their children are out and playing, so then therefore they would come out as well. These kind of a small, um, I guess, going back to that communication, communication with the users to actually see what they really, how they're really going to use the space made it possible. And it's a it's a very... Um, Simple landscape design. It doesn't actually have any. Um, it does actually have architectural elements, but the the architectural elements in it is very minimal. But it actually provide that sense of place that it was um, uh, hoping for, and it made that um, neighborhood really bring up that neighborhood up, and then made it in a, in a, a good uh, neighborhood to live nowadays in Copenhagen rather than what it was before.
0: In a lot of things that um, where in in your article what you were writing is you know that I think that one of the things that you really disliked was this lack of individuality or lack of distinctiveness I guess which is the other thing you spoke about earlier Um, now, okay, in some areas, arches and whatnot, and other architectural elements, obviously, have got an engineering function, okay, and they need to be there for whatever reason. Um, but if, assuming that they don't, okay, what would you replace them with? I mean, I know, I know it's a bit of a lot. How long is a piece of string question? I get it. But um, the whole, I guess the whole, the whole point of an arch, I mean, if, again, take away the, uh, the engineering side, is to sort of it's 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 a door, isn't it? So you, you go through and you go into somewhere else, sort of an, an you know a, a transformation, if that's the right, right way to right way to say it. Um, is is there is there any other type of element that you could think of that you could you re- replace it with?
1: Um, I don't I don't really see any um, point that we need to actually definitely replace it with something else if a uh, an element or a structural, um, I guess the structure force us to have arches because that's how it should be. Obviously that arch should be there. There is no question about that. But the, the the whole conversation that I'm trying to bring up is that having having any kind of element just for the sake of putting a cladding on top is not um I guess I'm not really in the position to say it's not acceptable, but it just comes to my mind that it shouldn't be the way that we practice. Um, It's it's um, like any uh, anything that we have to have it. in in architecture should have a meaning and otherwise we actually can't afford to having any additional materials anymore in our projects. We can't really afford in terms of the Amount of rubbish that we create in the world that we can, we should have any additional materials just for the sake of it. Plus, in terms of the whole revolution that we went through to get um, rid of all the ornamental elements, we shouldn't have it. We shouldn't go back to the way that we used to practice. And then we should wa- change the way that y- we used to practice. So combination of both of them really tells us that we shouldn't have an element just for the sake of it. We shouldn't have a shading structure because we think it looks nice. Or when really, when you do the diagram, that really is not going to provide a shading structure because it just looks not okay. You know what I mean? Yes, I know.
0: Uh, in, in fact, in fact, actually you're actually sounding a bit like um, a, a Australian artist, Robin Boyd, who uh, wrote in his book um, Australian Ugliness when he said that if, even when beauty is a sole motivation design, it has a tendency to die at the moment of birth, okay? Which is kind of what, is kind of what you're saying, I think. So is it also what, what you're suggesting yo, or what your ideas are? Is it, is it a cry for modernism or is it a cry against mediocrity?
1: i'm not really i'm not really good with creating it very um um literature base i guess but i'm and i'm i'm very humbled that i think that reading the book by robin boyd it really i i think um got me when he talks about the futurism and how the futurism is was a part of, I guess, uh, Australian architecture, and how it always guides. And um, um, I guess um, living here for eight years, seeing the television being like very uh, Americanized, and then like y- using always the fashion, and like this is now like F- F- FYI on um, um, on on um, TV of do it yourself things um, elements like just change it because it looks nice it's a very bad habit that i don't think it's just um, about australia it's about um i think unfortunately around the world that it's good for human to consume and then produce more and then again sell more and then the whole business is unfortunately going that way Um, yeah so I I don't I don't really see it to be just Australia or being being a fight about modernism or any kind of um, architectural stage or theory it's just the fact that we should be responsible um, for the actions that we are doing at the moment. A lot of um, architects now in Australia signed the architect declare, we need to be responsible for the designs that we are doing um, to make sure that we can achieve um, net zero buildings in very, very soon. (laughs) I'm
0: going to say, um, that uh, you can use the word decadent because that's exactly what it is. It it is, it is a decadence. And it's, it's, born out of consumerism you're right um in the day you know we, we we have a an economy that that's unfortunately been geared to to grow with the amount we consume which as you point out rightly and as it was as we in the magazine uh, always talk about is not good for sustainability is it i mean at the end of the day you know you know i, th- I think the the built environment contributes something like i think it's like one quarter of all landfill um, all junk and stuff being thrown away um, do you think that, that that in terms of sustainability do you think that a lot of architects in, in in Australia and you mentioned you know the architects declare which I saw you know the, the signature do you think that they are moving far more to I guess a more sustainable way of designing or or is it the issue, is it's not the I'm going to ask you, the problem is, is it not the problem the architects or is it, is it the, the, the clients? Do they still have to understand that, you know, sustainability is good? Um, which is it? I mean, which is moving fastest to sustainability, the architects or your clients?
1: Um it's, it's uh, I don't really know if I'm in a stage to really give a really good response to this question. I think it's a bit of both, like the, if the clients are really on board, I'm sure architects would love to do sustainable buildings. And um, um, like, I think, at least from what I see, it's always like the big portion of the sustainable buildings that we are seeing um, around in Australia and maybe around the world is usually comes from the agenda that the um, client wants to have a sustainable or um, a building with the. Um, a sustainable agenda in and then therefore the architects will help them but usually the most amazing um, works that you see is that when you have an architect that is actually interested in the sustainability and then tries to bring um, through the communication again going back bring the clients to on board to actually at least in some ways makes make a sustainable decision in their project but um, uh, like at least in my young age of as an architect I think we don't have that much power unfortunately like we have a very limited power of what we really can do but um, with these elements I, I guess going back to the elemental and featurism in architecture at least we can have a say about Those elements, I'm sure the um, the um, clients would be on board if we provide a beautiful um, project um, to them that doesn't include feature elements such as arches into them. And then, if the design is beautiful and it does take out the um, unnecessary element, at least we can provide a project that gets rid of the unessential elements where it's possible. And even if the client is not on board, at least we are not adding any additional elements that is not necessary to the project.
0: Well, Jamila, what can I say? You've become um, the, the arch enemy of arches. <laughs> well, thank you, Jamila Jahangiri. Um, that, was, that was a very interesting conversation. Um, I hope to talk to you again.
1: Thank you so much. Thank Franco, for having me.
0: You've been listening to Talking Architecture and Design. Until next time, goodbye. I'm Branko Miletic. Thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. The a and Network proudly presents the Sustainability Awards now in their 14th year. You can find more information at sustainablebuildingawards.com.au.